Las Vegas Raiders. Go inside the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Weekday afternoons at 4 on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. KRLV Las Vegas. Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. It is a Friday, a beautiful Friday here in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Give us a call, 702-365-9200. Let's finish the week strong. Uh, got a chance today to talk to Colton Miller, uh, the Raiders' uh, left tackle, who they uh, signed to a uh, contract extension that will keep him here in Las Vegas through the 2025 season. Um, and Colton had some uh, interesting things to say. One was uh, he was a little bit surprised that it happened uh, as quickly as it did. Keep in mind, uh, Colton becomes the first player, uh, that first first-round pick of that 2018 draft to sign a second contract. Uh, he's actually the first Raiders first-round pick to do that, believe it or not, um, since uh, Darren McFadden back in the mid-2000s. So uh, it's it's... It's not you know every day that this happens, and the Raiders extended Colton a little bit earlier in the process as he headed into his fourth season. Uh, but I think they wanted to get ahead of the process, uh, create some cost certainty moving forward, so that they have their big left tackle solidified at a, at a number that you know anytime you talk about waiting to do deals, it's always going to go up. It never goes down, uh, barring a player you know uh, regressing or, or getting hurt. Um, but nevertheless, here's Colton Miller talking about um, you know some of the surprise he felt getting this done as quickly as it did. I was actually surprised coming into uh, uh, coming out of year three, going into year four. Uh, you know, you, you dream about this, you know, when you're a little kid and uh, and through the season. Uh, but um, I'm excited, definitely excited uh, to continue my career here, um, continue to work hard and. And for the coaches, for this team, you know, um, that, uh, you know, that I'm invested and uh, I'm going to continue to get better. That's Colton Miller, uh, the Raiders left tackle, talking today from the practice facility in Henderson uh, about, you know, officially signing his contract and the process of of getting um, to that point. Uh, Colton finished his third year last year. Uh, has developed into one of the better left tackles uh, in the NFL. And I know the Raiders uh, had their eye on uh, extended Colton and, and you know, we're, we're already planning on budgeting for that uh, shortly. You know, I wouldn't say shortly into his third season, but it became pretty apparent to me uh, that this was something that they had their eye on. And it dictated some of the moves that they've made, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, A, trying to, to uh, get Gabe Jackson to take a little bit less money uh, on the last year of his contract, ended up having to, to trade Gabe Jackson. Um, then they moved on from Rodney Hudson. Uh, both of those players, you know, were making in excess of, uh, of $9 million a, a year. So you do the math, that's $20 million there. And then uh, you look at uh, trading Trent Brown, uh, another $14, 15000000 million. So that's getting you into that $30 million range for three for three players, um, and knowing that the Raiders needed to re-sign Colton Miller, uh, there had to be some give and take. And, uh, you know, trust me, uh, John Gruden would love to pay all these guys every penny that they believe that they're worth and that they are worth, but it just doesn't work 
like that in the salary cap uh, era. And you have to make some hard decisions. And it does mean, you know, having to move on from certain players. And, and always remember this. Coming into this year, if you would have, ta- if you, would have um, you know, been, been looking at this, let's say, two years ago, the Raiders and any other team, when they started looking at their 2020 payrolls and started, you know, writing up contracts uh, that extended into 2021, you're anticipating the normal growth of the salary cap, right? So it usually goes up by in excess of $10 million every single year. So two years ago, if you were looking at 2021, you were probably looking at a salary cap, uh, rightfully so, um, in the 200. And ten to two hundred twenty million dollar range. Okay, that's as you were doing your budget, as you was do, as you were doing your contracts two years ago, three years ago, and looking ahead to what it would, what the impact it would have on twenty twenty one. You were going from the assumption that the salary cap was going to continue to grow at its normal rate, and as a result, twenty twenty one, you'd be looking at you know more than like like I said, two hundred ten to two hundred twenty million dollars. Well. The salary cap actually uh, is now at $182 million, and that was represents a drop of $16 million from last year to this year. So add up the $16 million that it dropped and the $10 million or maybe even $16 million to $20 million that, it, that you were expecting it to grow. That's a $40 million-ish switch right there or, or uh, difference right there. So... You know, unfortunately, guys like Rodney Hudson and, and Gabe Jackson kind of were the victims of that switch, uh, of, of that, you know, difference. Had the salary cap been this year where it should have been, I don't think there's any doubt that Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson would still be on this football team. Uh, I truly believe that. But they weren't, and they aren't. And, um, you know, and, and that's just the reality of the situation. And the reality of the situation, too, is, you know, they were going to have to pay Colton Miller. Now, Colton Miller's new deal doesn't affect this year's salary cap. If it does, it's very, very, very minimally. You write up contracts in a way that gives you as much, you know, when you're talking, especially when you're talking about an extension, you're talking about um, holding off the uh, real impact of that salary until the extension begins to kick in. Remember, Colton Miller realistically had two years left on his contract this year and next year. That would have taken him through his fifth season uh, here with the Raiders. So uh, cutting or or trading Gabe Jackson and trading Rodney Hudson didn't necessarily have – wasn't in relation to Colton Miller this year. Um, It's for the next couple of years. But having to get rid of those two players was the result of a salary cap that – uh, isn't anywhere near what Mike Mayock and John Gruden or anybody in the NFL uh, thought it would be. Uh, you were thinking about a salary cap that was at $215, $220 million and said it's at $182 million. That's why um, you know guys, unfortunately, veteran players like a Rodney Hudson, like a Gabe Jackson, uh, fell victim uh, to that. And it's unfortunate, but it's the reality of the situation, and you have to c- continue to move on. Uh, and we're going to hear more from Colton Miller a little bit later on about some of the changes that have happened on that offensive line, uh, where he believes things uh, stand, uh, and his thoughts on somebody that he knows really well, Andre James, the young center, uh, who's going to battle Nick Martin for that starting job, a guy that Colton Miller goes all the way back to UCLA with, and obviously he's watched the progress 
of Andre James these last two years, kind of behind the scenes as he's been developed by Tom Cable and the staff. Uh, but Colton Miller has some uh, ideas about Andre James, and we're going to hear about that uh, in just a little bit. Before we do, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line or uh, listener line. Uh, Tiki Tau Main is on the line, wants to talk about the Raiders. How are you doing, Tiki Tau? Hey, Vincent, how are you doing, my friend? Um, Good, man. Thank you very much. I just want to talk about, uh, I'm wondering if you see the Raiders either trading up or trading back. Um, I would really love them to drop that kid Jenkins at number 17. And at number 48, I, I just, I love that Richard Grant kid. I, I just, uh, I, I just really love that kid. Um, you see him doing that, or do you see him maybe going uh, safety first and maybe offensive line uh, in the second round there? Then? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it, it could go both ways. If if let's say you get to in and around the seventeenth pick, and and there's still you know, and usually how it works is, you know, you have your draft board obviously, and you kind of have a idea or put together a plan of when it gets to our pick, um, you know, these are the three players that we would be satisfied with, or however, I'm just using three as a number. Let's just say you have three players that you're comfortable with with that 17th pick overall or whatever your pick is in that first round. And, um, you know, if all three are there, then, you know, you might contemplate dropping back knowing that there's a good chance that one, two, or maybe even all three of those players will be, will be there later on, you know, uh, with the few, however many drop, uh, um, you know, picks you drop back. Sometimes you, you drop back because, uh, none of the players that you valued at 17 are still on the board. So there, then there's a, a drop, like, you know, you may have valued three different, you know, a certain amount of players at number 17 and be good to, te- to, to draft those players at 17. But if they're no longer there and the drop off is pretty significant, you trade back because, you know, you understand on your board that, you know, uh, whoever is left there uh, isn't worthy of that 17th pick. I'm not saying that that's, you know, how it always plays out or how it will play out. Uh, but so for the Raiders, the options are, there's a lot of options. There's so many good tackles in this draft that I could see them, you know, trading back. However, uh, there could be, they have, may have fallen in love with a certain, you know, uh, tackle that uh, they can't live without and they'll do everything in their power, including trading up to go get that player. So, uh, or, and that goes for any, any position. So I think they're in a pretty good uh, position to be flexible. Uh, and I say that because by picking up that extra third, and you think pick, it would, uh, do you think it would double dip on safeties? Uh, number one and number two. No, I don't think they would, they would do that number one and number two, but I could definitely see them doing it in, uh, you know, using a second round pick on a safety and maybe one of their third round picks, uh, you know, with the safety, there's too many examples of value at safety happening. Be you know beyond the first round. Um, a lot of you know, of course, if you're talking about you know your upper 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 echelon kind of guys, uh, they're going to go you know high in the first round. But once you get to where the Raiders are, and with this draft, I think that uh, you're you're comfortable looking at that second round. Uh, whether it's Javon Holland or Richie Grant, I think one of those two players has a good chance to be there at 48. And then in that third round, you know, an Andre Cisco from Syracuse, I think still has a chance to be uh, there in that third round. There's a couple of other, uh, other, other players as well that I think um, could be there in the third round too. So I could definitely see the Raiders double dipping and, you know, it just creates, you know, uh, so much more flexibility 
uh, especially if you go in the let's say the let's say the um, you know Richie Grant uh, Andre Cisco uh, scenario. Let's say Andre Cisco beats out Richie Grant at at free safety. Doesn't mean that you can't move Richie Grant down to a cornerback position because he's played that position in in college. So uh, you know you could get them all on the field. There's so many cases now where there's there's teams that are playing three safeties. Uh, in the NFL at times. They're getting three safeties on the field. So it's one of those positions now that's becoming really, really popular and really important. And um, and I think that, yeah, uh, I could see the Raiders uh, up high. I don't necessarily think, though, with that first round. I think that first round is going to be either, you know, one of the premier tackles uh, or best player available if one of those, you know, defensive ends or, or linebackers uh, that, that people are talking about. Uh, even a cornerback. What's a, you know, if, if Patrick Sertain falls uh, into that area, you have to entertain you know drafting a player of that caliber uh, with that pick. So um, it's just going to depend on how the draft plays out. But the way I see it playing out, um, you know, more than likely is tackle with the first round, safety with the second round, and then I wouldn't you know uh, you know whether it's a pass rusher in the third round, you know, one of the raw prospects. Uh, that lasts into the third round, or a linebacker in the third round, or another offensive lineman, maybe an interior offensive lineman. This is a really good draft um, uh, at offensive line and at you know uh, uh, safety. So um, I could definitely see uh, something along those lines, you know, playing out. But uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think this is a fascinating draft. I think you know, there's, uh, obviously, you look at the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they are, moved up to to the third pick overall. I know there's a lot of you know, craziness going on on Twitter right now and in social media about who the 49ers are going to pick. And as it's always kind of been explained to me, unless you have your eye on, you know, unless you're training to the first pick with a specific player in mind, a lot of times, you know, and I hear, here's what I think the 49ers are doing. Do I think that they've made a final decision? Maybe, but I'm not ruling out that they haven't. I think what they wanted to do was they felt like giving up the assets that they gave up to go to number three and have a better controlling position of picking the quarterback that they want uh, at number three. Of course, it looks like Justin, you know, uh, or Trevor Lawrence is going number one. It looks like uh, the BYU kid, BYU kid, is go, going number two. But after that, uh, after those first two picks, you know, you're talking about Mac Jones. You're talking about Justin Fields. Uh, you're talking about Trey Trey uh, Lance from uh, was it North Dakota State. So there's three quarterbacks right there that depending on who you're talking to uh, might be the best of the three. So I think what the, uh, I don't mean, and it could be a case where the 49ers haven't decided which of those three is the best bet, but they want to be in a position to make that decision and then pick who they want rather than, you know, uh, anxiously waiting wherever it was that they were, were they number 12, I think it was, uh, and waiting on the hope that somebody falls to them or having to trade up to get one of those three guys. And and so I think they're just trying to control uh, that, that process, get control of that process. It came out a pretty penny, but that's that's what you do. And I know that the Rams did the same thing when they went and traded for the number one pick overall. It put them in position to make a decision, their own decision in 2016 on whether they wanted uh, to draft Jared Goff um, or uh, Carson Wentz. And they ultimately decided on on uh, on on Jared Goff, but trading up to number one and giving the picks and assets they did to go get there, put them in control uh, of the situation. Um, So, you know, we'll see. It's going to be a fascinating draft. It's going to be definitely a fascinating 
a uh, couple of weeks as we wait it out and see what the Raiders ultimately do at number 17 and then number 48. I think those are two critical picks for the for the Raiders that if they hit on them uh, could really fill a couple of big-time holes. We will see. Uh, but today, got a chance to talk to Colton Miller, uh, the Raiders' left tackle, who they have solidified and secured on a long-term uh, extension. Very happy for Colton Miller, and uh, obviously he was ecstatic uh, to stay here and to play for the Raiders. But it, the you know, it, the journey's not over for him in terms of you know. Yes, you know, he obviously uh, just signed a life-changing type of a contract, uh, but. You know his plan is to continue to stay on the path that he is, and that's to get continue to get better. And here's Colton Miller talking about that. You know, I just it's just the mentality to just uh, take it day at a time. Um, I know there was a lot of adver- adversity my uh, my rookie season. Um, I struggled through injury and and um, of course being a being a starter and uh, straight out of college. Um, but uh, no, I just took it day by day, um, improved as much as I can. Um, I'm going to continue to improve. Uh, you know, I'm going to get stronger, um, improve my technique. Um, you know, it doesn't stop here. Uh, so, no, I just took that mentality, um, and it's really helped me along along the way. That's Colton Miller talking about uh, continuing to get better dealing with the adversity that he dealt with as a rookie. If you remember, Colton Miller was, quote-unquote, a reach uh, when the Raiders drafted him at number 15, if you bought into you know the, the various pundits. And to be honest, he's a clear example of uh, why it's important not to overreact to a player's first season. If you were to base uh, the, the draft pick on Colton Miller after just one year, you would have probably claimed that he was a bust. Um, because he did struggle his first year. But, you know, that doesn't define him. When you draft a player, you have him under control for five years. Uh, And I think it behooves everybody to have patience when it comes to these uh, first-round picks and any draft pick, for that matter. You can't uh, make a judgment on somebody after after one year. You you just can't. I mean, obviously, there's some guys that just burst onto the scene and they're – clock um you know w- mandated that that they were going to be a star from the very beginning or an effective uh player from a, a no-brainer from the very beginning but that's that's rare to be honest with you uh, most players come uh, into the league unfinished products who need some time to develop and sometimes that development is happening behind the scenes a little bit uh, sometimes that that development is happening right there in front of us, and and the way the Raiders roster has been structured these last few years, you know, when John Gruden came in, I think he had a pretty good understanding. This 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 roster isn't good. You need to make a lot of changes, and the result of that was ultimately going to be having to rely on a lot of young players uh, in 2020 and 2020, or excuse me, 2019 and 2021. It was just kind of the reality of the situation. And so what we're ultimately doing is seeing young guys grow up uh, right out there in front of us as starting players, whereas some of these guys may have, in other situations, been brought along a little bit you know, uh, at, at a more uh, moderate pace behind the scenes and not ex- overexposing them uh, to the f- what, what it ultimately becomes sometimes the fans' rap because they're just freaking out because what they're seeing isn't a star player right off the bat, and all of a sudden John Gruden doesn't know how to draft, and Mike Mayock doesn't know what he's doing, and you know, and I'm I'm sitting here going, it's <laughs> you're who, what 
what are we basing this on? You know, first of all, if you look at the 2019 draft, it was it had great value. Uh, the 2019 draft, you know, Hunter Renfro is a good, solid football player. Obviously, Josh Jacobs rushing for a thousand yards two straight seasons, going to the Pro Bowl last year, uh, has been a really good, solid pick. Cleve Farrell, um, in spite of what Raider Nation wants to wants to to think, yes, he was drafted fourth overall. Not every draft is a five star player draft where you're going to get a star player in the first five picks. And if you go back to that draft, that was certainly the case. Uh, I'm sure if the Raiders, you know, wanted, we all know that I'm sure that they would have wanted Bosa. That was, he was definitively the best defensive end in that draft, checked off all of the boxes, but he was drafted before the Raiders had a chance uh, to draft. So now, um, you know, uh, you have to make that adjustment. And Clee Farrell was the guy that they decided to draft. And it's not his fault that this wasn't one of those extraordinarily deep top five drafts where you're getting a, a, a star player right off the bat. So in lieu of that, and sometimes that is the case, you do the best that you can and draft the best player that you believe, you know, the, the player that you believe is the best player available at that, at that pick. And that was Clee Farrell. And he's, more than held his own. He's been a good quality player. He made a a, a, a nice step forward in his second year. Uh, is a guy that projects to be a quality player on a good defensive line and a good defense. And really, that's all uh, you're, you you want when you're drafting players. Obviously, you want to draft the next Hall of Famer, but you know beyond that, you want to draft somebody that's going to be an asset to you winning football games. And that's what they believe they've gotten in Cleve Farrell. And that's what I believe he's capable of being. Um, but, you know, uh, Chavon Mullen comes in and starts seven games or eight games in his rookie year. Jonathan Abram obviously uh, needs needs some work, uh, but the talent is there. But that 2019 draft has been pretty good. Uh, uh, Foster Moreau, uh, I think, has a bright future. So they hit on a lot of guys in that 2019 draft. And I think the jury's way, it's still out on 2020, way uh, still, it's way too early to call anything on that 2020 draft. There's just, um, wasn't enough time to get a lot of these guys developed in time to be impact players uh, as rookies. So, um, but there's still a bright future for a lot of those guys. And we're gonna talk about that on the other side. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We're back in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Raider great Lincoln Kennedy. This is Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Right back out to the Raider Nation listener line, Gangster Raiders on the line. How you doing, Gangster Raider? Hey, Vinny, I'm not doing too good. I'm out here Uh-oh. in Vegas. Um, but it's one thing it's good to be in Vegas to hear y'all on the radio and not have to listen to y'all on that horrible app. But the reason why I'm here in Vegas is not too good is because my brother, he passed away. He's a diehard Raider fan like me. He passed away two Fridays ago here in Vegas on, on July 19th. And I'm out here with my other brother. We finalized and everything. And my brother was a diehard Raider fan. He, he was battling MS for the last five five to seven years. You know He finally succumbed to it. But he was a diehard Raider fan. I just wanted everybody to give him a Raider in peace. His name was Chill. My brother was Chill. You know what I'm saying? And just like the Raiders, he uh, left L.A. and came to Vegas, similar to the Raiders, and he passed away here in Vegas. So I just want to get a Raider in peace and a moment of silence for my brother Chill. 
you know what I'm saying? It's, it's good to be in Vegas, you know what I'm saying? I can listen to y'all on the radio. That's all I wanted to say, Benny, and uh, rest in peace to my brother, Chill, my younger brother. He was on the 45. All right, y'all. Yeah, absolutely. Raider, hey, Raider, uh, uh, Gangster Raider, we, you know, we, we're we with you, man. Uh, you know, and, and to your brother, Chill, uh, rest in peace, brother. Um, you know, uh, you're always going to be in, in, in Raider Nation's hearts uh, and thoughts, and that goes out to you, too, uh, Gangster Raider. Hang in, hang in there, okay, brother? Just give us a call whenever you need to. All right, thanks. All right, man. Enjoy Las Vegas as well. Um, I know it's not on great terms uh, and situations, but I'm sure uh, your brother Chill would want you to uh, soldier on, soldier on, um, you know, and and uh, and 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 make the most of uh, everything. So, uh, so there you have it, Raider Nation. Uh, you know, send out some love and some prayers uh, to to Gangster Raider uh, and obviously to his his brother, late brother uh, Chill, who was right there with you guys um, in terms of uh, rooting on on the Raiders. So. Uh, uh, tough circumstance, uh, no question about it. Um, you know, on on a on a uh, you know much better note. Hopefully, uh, you know this Raiders team, um, you know, can can uh, give you some relief and give you some uh, something positive uh, this coming up season. I think that there's reason to think that you know uh, this isn't so far off uh, as far as you know where the Raiders are, and and you know as we watch what unfolds in free agency. And now as the Raiders, you know, get prepared uh, for the draft, uh, it's pretty obvious that I think, um, you know, Gus Bradley and the new defensive uh, staff uh, have a lot of pull and a lot of say in, what, in what's happening and sometimes what's not happening in terms of overreacting, you know, and, and uh, I think that Gus Bradley feels like there's a lot of potential still on this uh, Raiders defense, a lot of talent on this Raider defense. Obviously, they they really went after it uh, on along the defensive line, getting somebody like uh, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, you know, Quinton uh, um, uh, Jefferson, Solomon Thomas, uh, you know, re-signing David Irving. They brought in a lot of uh, uh, different players uh, to push each other and to create uh, depth and uh, a deep rotation. But I think beyond that, I think that there is some belief in a Damon Arnett. I think there is belief uh, in, in Trayvon Mullen. Uh, there is a belief that Jonathan Abram is going to get on the right track and be utilized in a way that you know suits his talents. But also that there's somebody and some you know maybe multiple players in this draft that they feel like uh, if they could get onto this team are going to be able to fill some of these uh, holes. Um, so we'll see. I, I'm really fascinated by uh, the input that, that Gus Bradley is having on this operation on the defensive side of the ball. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line uh, and welcome in our great friend um, over at Raider Nation or Raiders.com, uh, Levi Edwards, who I saw Levi uh, over at the Raiders, uh, the new Raiders Tavern at the M Hotel. Uh, I'm, again, I will reiterate, if you're a Raiders fan, you got to get out to the M Hotel. you got to get out to the Raider Tavern. It is, you will... Be swallowed up by Raider history and and uh, you know just Raider memorabilia and a, and a feeling of being <laughs> among uh, the Raiders and that's on top of the really good food that's there uh, and, and drinks obviously. But Levi, thanks for spending some time with us. How you doing today? I'm doing great today. How about you, man? I'm doing I'm doing all right. We heard obviously from uh, Colton Miller uh, today and you know I think he expressed uh, some you know a little bit of surprise uh, how early in the process. Uh, he and the Raiders were able to get this done. I don't think I think he knew. Uh, you know, I think people are kind of running with that a little bit. I think he knew um, into last season that this was on the horizon. This was something that the Raiders wanted to do, uh, and I don't think the actual coming together of the contract was a surprise. But I think going into last year, if you would have thought about it, you know, maybe maybe so. But nevertheless, 
here he is. And how, how important do you think it is uh, that the Raiders were able to lock down their young left tackle? I think it's extremely important, and the big word that you just mentioned is young. That's the biggest word that's, I feel like, the most important word is the young free ta- the young left tackle. And that's the direction that the offensive line is trying to go into right now is they're trying to get young. And you have a lot of people in the fan base that are like, okay, well, you're getting rid of these veterans and you're getting, you know, you're trying to, you know, reshape the whole offensive line. Why are you doing this right now? And when you look at it really, like when you really put a microscope to it, it uh, all makes sense. And, uh, well, and it's just they're trying to get younger. They're trying to get faster. And you have a couple of those veteran guys that are left within Denzel and Richie. But Colton is a great player, and he's really done a lot to really develop himself over the past three seasons where he's a guy uh, who's a first-round pick out of UCLA, and a lot of people have doubts and skepticism about him coming in because of his rookie year. And he's done everything in his power to really make up for it the past two years and soak everything up from the veterans that did leave, really soak in a lot of that and really it helped him develop his game. And another thing that I really like about Colton is consistency and him being healthy where even though he has dealt with lingering injuries, he's been on the field. He plays. The only two games that he missed this previous season was because of COVID. And that's just something that you can't really knock the young man for. It's just, you know, it's just how it was. So I think it's a very smart move to give him this extension and something that he said a lot of today as you were at the conference is he kept on mentioning how much he was ready to improve and get better and be faster and stronger and have better technique. So really, even though they pulled out the Brinks truck for him and he's getting paid, he's someone that is really adamant about being like, look, I'm getting this money, but it's not going to stop the process. Yeah, uh, I, and I don't. I definitely uh, feel you on that. I, I think that Colton is one of those guys that, uh, and it, it could go a couple of different ways when you give somebody the big money. You know, does the fire burn out, or does the fire burn even brighter? Uh, and I think in Colton Miller's case, it's going to burn even brighter. I think he's kind of wired uh, that way. But what's interesting, and and you know, covering the NFL, life moves really fast in the NFL, and. You know, just a couple of years ago, he was the young pup on this offensive line, and now he's really the elder statesman in terms of uh, duration in his career. He's the longest tenured uh, Raider offensive lineman now, so go figure on that. But I felt like he had some really good things to say about, you know, uh, who's going to be lining up beside him uh, this year, and in particular, young Andre James, who, um, you know, still has a fight on his hands to secure the center job uh, vacated by Rodney Hudson. Nick Martin will have a lot to say about that. Uh, but you get the feeling that Andre James is the um, you know favorite, odds-on favorite to win that job, and it sure sounds like Colton Miller is a big fan of, of Andre James as well. Definitely, uh, they were teammates, and they have a really good relationship back from their days at uh, UCLA. And kind of Colton talking about Andre, it really just sounds like they kind of have that big brother, little brother relationship of Andre coming in a year after him, and seems like they've kind of been you know looking out for each other, and you know been really just not only teammates but friends uh, since they were at UCLA. So Andre is a it's a very interesting situation at hand because the offensive line is just extremely versatile. And what I mean by that is that 
there's many people on that line that can kind of, you know, plug and play. And, you know, Coach Cable, he coaches up those guys, and he makes sure that, you know, he can make sure he can put somewhere in somewhere that they might not be extremely familiar to, but they know how to play adequately, i.e. us seeing Denzel Good play out of this position for close to half the season because of the fact that he, he dealt with so many injuries. And so the matter of the fact is, is that Andre James or Nick Martin, you know, they both are centers, but we really don't even know, you know, we're, it's so early on in the competition that who's to say that one of those guys might not move over and play guard just with how versatile this line is. So it definitely will be a good fight for that starting center position. But at the same time, I definitely believe that we will probably see a good bit of both of these men during the season. Yeah, uh, no, no question. And, you know, just basically from what I've been told, um, you know, both players are, are going to have an opportunity to either back up at guard or maybe even compete. Uh, for a job uh, along, uh, you know, uh, at that position. But I think both make the roster. There's just too much versatility there. Uh, as long as provided both guys can show that, hey, if need be, maybe you go down and play a little bit of guard. Uh, but it is interesting. Um, you know, we've seen it far too often in the NFL. Guys leave. Unfortunately, that's sometimes the case, and especially this year with the salary cap going down rather than up. Uh, it created a situation where guys like Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson and a whole bunch of other players in the NFL were vulnerable because of that, what their price tag was relative to where the salary cap went. But um, one door closes and another opens, and we've seen far too often where players are ready to step in and get the job done. And we put a lot of confidence, obviously, in Tom Cable, I'm sure, uh, to make that the reality and and in listening to to Colton Miller today uh he had a lot of good things to say about Tom Cable um in your estimation what do you think about what is it about Tom Cable uh that really creates this connection between he and his players I feel that what creates the, what creates that connection is not only what they're able to do on the field but off the field I feel like coach Cable is someone that actually genuinely cares about his players and genuinely cares about his offensive line and wants to see the best for them, not only as players, but just as people. And I feel like he's done a great job throughout his coaching career, really creating personal relationships with his players and really making sure that they know that he's invested into them. And I feel that that is really what has made this offensive line so great and what has made the connection with his players so great. And as you have mentioned about the salary cap going down and not up and just with circumstances being the way it is, is that all NFL teams are now in a place where you, you cannot make mistakes. And when I say that, it's just you have to look at things a lot more closely and reevaluate things a lot more thoroughly than you once would. So decisions are made that may have not been made a year ago, two years ago, but it's like, okay, I only have this much amount of money. I only have this many roster spots. What can I do to make this team better? And it really makes people just think a lot differently and a lot more thoroughly. So I feel like that's what's happened with the offensive line, and it's made the Raiders think a lot more thoroughly and process, like, how are we able to get this offensive line younger how are we able to get this offensive line faster? And how are we able to save money uh, in order to continue to 
get these other free agents that we need in order to bolster our defense or, you know, replace uh, Nelson Aguilar. Those are things that are important, and I feel like the Raiders have done a good job of being able to not rebuild but reload the offensive line because they are not really working from the ground up. A rebuild is when you're working from the ground up. I feel that all the Raiders did was really bring up some players that they already have and they're already trying to develop and really just putting them into the forefront and saying, this is your time. So really more of a reloading and not much of a rebuild, as a lot of people would assume, with the trades with Gabe Jackson, Trent Brown, and Rodney Hudson. We're talking to Levi Edwards from Raiders.com. On the other side of the ball, uh, obviously a lot of interest, uh, focus on the defensive line, um, not so much in the secondary uh, yet. But uh, kind of leads you to believe that maybe over in the draft is they, they have their eye on somebody in particular or some you know couple of players in particular. Uh, where do you think the Raiders go uh, when it comes to free safety? I am not one hundred percent sure where they might be looking. The two guys that I love uh, the most at free safety that I feel like would be good, good fits would definitely be the young man out of TCU. Uh, Trayvon uh, Mooring, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. It's uh, <laughs> I always see his last name, and I'm always just like, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Mooring, but uh, <laughs> beyond that, Vinny, if I got that wrong, I really like his game. He uh, is coming off of a great season, and I also really like Richie Grant, a little undersized, but definitely has like a lot of grit and determination to his game. He really balled out at the Senior Bowl. I really like Richie Grant's game a lot, and also he's one of those guys that has spent a lot of time within that UCF program to where he is probably going to be a lot smarter and have a lot better instincts than a lot of other players that are coming out just because he's spent so much time within uh, the college and developing within that program. So I feel like those are the two guys at free safety that I like the most. Um, Those are the guys that I would definitely be looking at if I was the Raiders uh, with those uh, first or second round draft picks. Um, definitely, definitely good players that they can. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Levi, hey, thank you, man, so much for spending some time with us. Always appreciate the insight. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you down the road, my brother. I appreciate you. Have a great day, man. All right. Thank you very much. That's Levi Edwards over at Raiders.com. Uh, always brings uh, great insight um, onto what's going on uh, with with the Raiders. Uh, mentioned a couple of names that I think everyone uh, would be ecstatic with if the Raiders ended up uh, with either, either of those two safeties, uh, Richie Grant uh, and Trayvon uh, Moreg uh, from TCU. Uh, we will see how the draft plays out. Uh, I can't wait, uh, but we still got to wait a little bit longer. You're in the huddle, Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahada. Interact with the show. Text Vinny and Lincoln on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187 or tweet them at Vinny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Mitch is in New Jersey and wants to talk about the Raiders. How are you doing, Mitch? Hey, Mitch, how you doing, brother? Good. Good. I hope you're not too hot out here. Um, <laughs> not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, 40 over you, may love. May I'll send <laughs> my letter over here towards you. 
Um, not, not much I'd say. It's just I hope uh, they look like they did great with their defensive line. Offensive line's in pretty good shape, looks like. I know they should I divide. I guess divide the, the picks up in offense defense. I like to set that in the first round. Would they go for Amonra, St. Brown, second round? And maybe in the middle of the rounds, later rounds, um, maybe that quarterback from um, Texas A&M, Moody? You know, because I, I bet you... Um, um, Marcus Morello probably wants to start by next year. I'm glad we kept him. For me, as a development third stringer, we you think they do any, you know, who listens to me anyway? I think any of that stuff will happen, and um, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if the Raiders uh, at some point in the draft, um, you know, uh, came up with a, uh, a, a quarterback. Um, you know, then the Texas A&M kids certainly opened up a lot of eyes uh, with what he did at his pro day. Um, but I don't think they're going to rush to that uh, at all. Um, you know, you've got obviously um, Marcus Mar- excuse me, Marcus Mariota <laughs> is back. Uh, Nate Peterman is under contract um, for next year, so uh, you know, it's not it's not a high high priority. Uh, but you're right, Marcus Mariota is not going to be uh, here probably uh, next year. Uh, he's got a one year one year left on his contract. He'll probably be moving on, and it's always uh, beneficial to draft young development quarterbacks, get them into your system. You never know what the future might hold. Uh, and while I do believe that Derek Carr uh, is in line for a contract extension, and I wouldn't be shocked if he got one before the end of this calendar year, um, you could never necessarily count, you know, on on that. So I think it might be time for the Raiders to invest in a, in a young backup kind of a quarterback that you can develop because uh, the options open up when you do. Uh, look at what happened with the, um, you know, Joey Gar- or, uh, Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo with the New England Patriots. You're able to, Jacoby Brissett, you're able to develop some guys and trade them off and, and get assets for them, you know, maybe higher than what you invested in the player in, in the draft. So there's a lot of ways to, to, to do that. I don't think the Raiders are going to address wide receiver um, early. Uh, I think where they go is tackle um, in the first or second round and safety in the first or second round. Uh, it's not necessarily going to be in that order, uh, but I think more than likely it'll be tackle safety, uh, but we will see. Um, those are the biggest needs, but you know, somebody asked me today, do you go best player available or draft for need? And I think in this case with, how deep the tackle pool is, how deep the safety pool is, it's that's not, you know, th- those two propositions aren't um, uh, mutually exclusive. You can accomplish both by drafting the player. The tackle might be the best player available at 17. Uh, let's go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Jerome is in Las Vegas, wants to talk about the draft. How are you doing, Jerome? Oh, pretty good. How about yourself? Doing really uh, good, thanks. Okay, now, right now, this year, Carl, it, our best trade value ever going to get for him. If we can trade, we get a first rounder for him, then I think we should get that first rounder and maybe even trade back and get another first and maybe a second or something and pick up some draft picks out. There's a lot of free agents out there and a lot of people in the draft, guys in the draft that are, are at least as good as Carl. He's, he's not a quarterback that's a big Super Bowl. Playoff, yeah. Super Bowl, no. So we commitment to excellence, not next ones, you know? Next week is last. So we've got to get the quarterback. But if not, I think maybe talk to Miami because they have Tua. And they have, a, no one should mention it, but they have a left-handed offense. And because Tua is left-handed. you got to find somebody that's used to that. That's why Tua was so good. That's why Rose was so good last year. Because 
is he still a left hand out that you know, if we trade him to Miami, get that first rounder and maybe a third rounder or something with it, then, then maybe we can work some that way. Let me ask you, uh, okay, uh, Jerome. At the, first of all, uh, um, if you're the Raiders, you're not dra- you're not trading Derek Carr for anything less than two first round picks, and maybe maybe uh, you're just you're just right. not, uh, and you're not trading him. Next year, next year, you can get a free for that's it. Next year, he won't be worth nothing like all the other guys. Can't, this, yeah, but you can't. Yeah, I, you, you just can't trade Derek Carr without having. You're trying to make the playoffs this year, and you said that okay. Derek Carr is not a Super Bowl quarter. Uh, first of all, he's never been. He's never had an opportunity to to, to play on a team uh, that's good, been good enough to make the Super Bowl, let alone the playoffs. Um, for he just hasn't, except for the 2016 when he got them to the playoffs, um, and but got hurt before he was able to you know to to go play in the playoffs. So he's never played in the playoff games. We don't know uh, on the right team. If he can't get a team to the Super Bowl, I don't believe that that's necessarily the case. I think if you put a good enough team around Derek Carr, and he showed last year he could play well against anybody. He 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 was toe to toe with the best quarterbacks in the league in some key matchups. That people understand his worst place is he doesn't know how to finish the half. He doesn't know how to finish the game. He has no time, no game management, no time management. I don't. I don't agree. I don't agree. I, I was at Allegiant Stadium three times where he drove the Raiders down the field in late game situations to take the lead. It's not his fault when he leaves the field with the lead that the defense can't make a stop to win the game. That's not his fault. He's not even doesn't even have any part in that. When he he literally drove the Raiders down the field in late game situations against the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo or the uh, Miami Dolphins, and the Los. Or he wasn't in the in the Chargers game. Uh, he got hurt uh, prior to that, but those two games, he he left the field with the lead. It's not his fault that the defense wasn't able to get the job done. And if they win those two games and hold on and beat the Chargers when they had the lead late in the game, now we're talking about a quarterback that got his team to the playoffs. And let's see what happens in the playoffs. But I'm not holding. I, I can't sit here and say Derek Carr isn't a Super Bowl quarterback because he's never played on a Super Bowl worthy team. It's a, you can't tell okay. me. That that is the case. I understand all that. No, no, the Raiders have been. And you can't, you can't just trade him. Referees for fifty years. I've been watching the Raiders for fifty years now. He's been the best. He's your best quarterback since. The best ever team score right away. So the Raiders can't leave no time on the clock. I, I mean, he can only control what he can control. He, he drove the Raiders down the field to score late in those games. He should have beaten. Uh, he, he. He should have beaten Patrick Mahomes twice last year. He he played just as good as Patrick Mahomes in those games and put his team in a position to win. Uh, it's not you put you put Derek Carr on a Super Bowl caliber team with a good offensive line and a good running back, uh, good wide receivers and a stout defense. There's no question in my mind that he could get a team to the Super Bowl. It's 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 a fallacy to say that he can't because he and 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 furthermore, it's just conjecture anyway he has never played on a team that is even close to being a Super Bowl caliber team across the board quarterback is one part of a, of a team and obviously it's an extremely important part of the team but it's it's more important to have a, a complete team a balanced team around that quarterback and Derek Carr has never had that not one time uh, in his career with the Raiders save for 2016 and he got that team to the playoffs who knows what would have happened had he been healthy enough uh, to be able to play in those playoffs. We're in the huddle with Steve Armstrong, Fox News Insider, Jerome Fox. 